We have a guest speaker today. He came all the way from Nova Scotia, stopped off in London for a few days. I got to spend some time with him. And then he has agreed to come up here and to share what the Lord has put on his heart. Uh, Swice Eubles is the pastor at Emmanuel Congregational Church in Middleton, Nova Scotia. A beautiful place to visit, but then we want you to come back here. And so, Swice, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming and bringing God's word. Come on up here and let me pray for you, and then we'll invite you to, to share. Good. Father God, thank you for Swice. Thank you for this man of God. Thank you for his family. Thank you for his church family. Thank you for what you are doing in Middleton, Nova Scotia, in the area. Father, I want to pray right now that you would just loosen his tongue, that you would use his words, that you would speak through him, Lord. And Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is already preparing him to share. Father, we just give you complete and utter permission to say whatever you want to us, that we would be submitted to your will. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, it's a total privilege for me to be here today. Brian and I got to know each other about six years ago, and uh, I've always really felt a connection with Brian because of your very rural setting. Allow me to give the background to me a little bit. I don't know what Brian has told you, but I'm not sure if it was all true anyway. So. <laughs> I grew up in Holland, and I realized there's quite a few Dutch people here, so we can do this in Dutch if you want, but then Brian won't be able to understand it. I grew up in Holland in a pastor's family, and uh, I remember growing up loving Jesus. I, I just don't remember a time where I didn't love Jesus. I don't know when it started. If you're one of these people that says, well, you, you got to know the date, sorry, I just don't know. I know that God's loved me all the way along, and it's been wonderful. I didn't want to become a pastor, though. I wanted to become a dairy farmer. And so uh, I pursued that with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and uh, went to agricultural college in Holland, uh, immigrated to Canada in Alberta, where I worked on dairy farms, and of course, got way too rich, so I couldn't get into it. And then uh, uh, ended up working on a feedlot and a cow-calf operation. We had our own cattle. We had, uh, eventually had a small farm, pigs and chickens, and the whole thing. I was living my dream. And then God came calling during a conference, and he, he gave me a question that changed my life, that ruined my life. <laughs> he said, Swice, what is your part in getting people from being half asleep in church to being excited about God? And I immediately knew the answer. But I swore to do two things. Never go back to school and never become a pastor. <laughs> God ruined my life with that question. That question since then has been, a, I interpret it now more and more as a call to church renewal. And that's been the thing I've been at the last 16, 17 years. We sold our farm. We went to Prairie Bible Institute in Three Hills, Alberta, where I took some training. Two years into our training, and we were attending this small rural church being particularly chose a rural church. It was like 10 different evangelical churches around. We chose the little rural one because it was just right up our alley. And uh, our pastor resigned, and, and the calling committee was pretty slow getting going. And so I offered my help that summer for an internship. And at the end of the internship, the calling committee still hadn't really done a whole lot. And they said, well, you're doing a good job. Why don't you just keep going? <laughs> and so uh, nine years later, we finally came to terms with, okay, it's time to move on. That's when we moved to Nova Scotia, became 
the pastor there at the Congregational Church in Middleton. And that's the next summer I got to know Brian. And there we went. Now, why do I connect so much with this whole rural thing is well because the church we were at there like I said was small it had a rural mindset but what I love about this church again because I follow you on Facebook and I see pictures uh, it's that picture of all your farm implements in the in the parking lot and you know why I love it not because it's just cute and it's kind of funny but it's it's because you as a church have embraced your community you, you are embracing your community. And I absolutely love that because that is what the church is called to do. The church is called not to just make it what it wants to be. It's there for the community, and you are doing that. And then as time goes on, you guys started messy church. And I'm not sure exactly where you do it, except it's not here. It's in a community center somewhere, right? And just the idea that the church would choose to do messy I mean, we all know church is messy because it's made up of people and people are messy. But you have chosen, you intentionally choose to sacrifice toward becoming a more messy church. And I love that because, again, you are embracing your community. You're embracing the reality that you find yourself in. And, and that, I just admire that. I see way too many churches, they just want to keep it clean. I have that temptation myself. I sometimes feel like the captain on a little ship and like, oh, trouble's ahead. Let's go around it instead of just facing it in the strength of Jesus, right? And you're choosing to do messy. Now, I just before I get into Colossians that Brian wanted me to preach on because you're in the series on Colossians, um, I want to just take another two steps in this messy thing because... At Emmanuel Church in Middleton, I have learned messy church. Nine years in Alberta did not prepare me for the mess we found ourselves in in, in Middleton. See, Middleton is a, it's kind of a, it's, it's the oldest, it's the oldest region in Canada. That's where it started, right? That's where the French settled uh, Port Royal. Annapolis Royal was the capital of Eastern Canada. 1604 was the first inhabited place there continuously. It's an amazing place. And your parents are out there? I, they're probably shopping for a house, you know that, right? Like, it's amazing. So, yeah, I think it's called for that you pray that they come back, because, ah, it's amazing. But it, uh, ever since the beginning of what now is Canada, it's been something in the East that has kind of been a, become a burden. It, it's that the most motivated people tend to move away. It's just the way it is. It, it's way back when, 200 years ago, they would go fishing off New England because the wages were higher. And then, of course, everybody came to Ontario to work. And then everybody went out west to work. So what you get is a demographic deficit. A lot of young people, the most motivated, the most go-getter type people are moving away. And you do that for two or 300 years, and you end up with a whole different kind of a society. And, and there is ramifications to that. And then, because we're so rural, like the Annapolis Valley, I mean, it's, it's rural. Other people, young people, they go for the jobs in the city, in Halifax and Dartmouth and HRM there. And so we got challenges, big challenges. And then Middleton is called the heart of the valley, of, of the Annapolis Valley. And so this is where all the services are. There's a hospital, it's not very big, but it's got a rehab wing for all those who are struggling with addiction issues. So they come from far and wide, they get cleaned up in Middleton, 
and they look for low-income housing in Middleton. And so when you walk through Middleton, you will see this. You will actually see all kinds of people with all kinds of challenges. You'll pick them right up. They walk the street. It's, it's only a town of 1,800 people, right? And right in the middle of that town, there's a couple churches. The Baptist Church and the Congregational Church, Emmanuel Church. And we get along great. We work together and all kinds of stuff. And um, our church is right between the high school, the library, the pool, and, and the curling rink. And then Tim Hortons is a block up. And so these people walk by all the time. And ever since the inception of Emmanuel Church in 94, it's been wide open to these people. They have done a great job embracing people with challenges. And it's messy. It's messy. The end of April, we had a children's service on a Sunday morning. The whole folk, it was all done for kids, and kids of all ages got to come kind of thing. So there's a 120, 130 people sitting there today, that day, and people had done a great job inviting other families. It was wonderful. And I get up on the stage, and I start the service. I'm welcoming people, and there is this noise, like right from the front. Like sometimes some of these people sitting in the back, and they make some noise, but it's like it's a big, long tube of a sanctuary kind of a thing. So it doesn't really bother me too much. Not too much bothers me, but this was like, it was bothering me. Like, what is going on? And so I stood on the edge of this little stage, and I looked down, and there's two children fighting. <laughs> They're actually fighting. They, 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 they grew up uh, like the Inuit kids. Uh, the mom baptized her last year, uh, part of a single-parent family program, and, and came to faith, baptized her. And so she's coming, but these kids didn't grow up in church at all. So they fight at home, so why not in church? It's like, boys, can we finish that later? (laughs) (laughs) When we first started getting these kind of families back into church, we we had the children's service like that, and we gave them all these little tambourines. And it's like, you probably grew up with that, right? Like, everybody kind of tried to catch a rhythm. It's a little chaotic, but... It's, it's cute, right? They're, they're participating. And these kids, they looked at these little tambourines and stuff and these little drums, and they looked at us like, that looks like a Frisbee. <laughs> During the church service. Yeah. They just wing them right up to the ceiling. Yeah. Messy church. Messy church. Uh, the mess shows up in so many different things. The single-parent family ministry that I talked about has led a whole bunch of people to the Lord. So praise God for that. But it was messy because we started getting threatening letters from lawyers because these moms would be taking the kids to church. And then the ex gets involved and said, you're brainwashing my child. We've had to guard the front door of the church because an ex was threatening to come and get the kids that he had no custody over. We go to court with these moms to deal with custody issues. It is messy. We walk, at times, these ladies to their vehicles because exes are stalking them. Those are some of the practical messy things, but the, the, to, to get into Colossians a bit more, there, there's more to messy church. Messy church brings along some real theological issues, too. See. The people in Middleton, if you go to the Annapolis Valley, your your parents are probably going to see this all over the Maritimes, actually. Honestly, there's churches everywhere. But a lot of them are B&Bs now. A lot of them are little art stores. They just closed. And tons of them have 10, 15 people coming. 
It is a, it's a bad, bad scene. All these churches, you would think this is something. And in the 1800s, there was an actual true revival that happened in the Annapolis Valley. Uh, it, it's the Valley of Dry Bones. And, and with that, of course, comes that we are now a minority group in that culture where the culture is thoroughly secular and we are supposed to be delighted that now we we somehow found something that worked and now some of these folks start coming to church but the worldview hasn't changed yet they're on this journey with Jesus but there's a lot of transformation that has to start happening and so these people come to church but they still pretty much hold to well, I shouldn't say to hold to it anymore, but it's, it's right still, right there. All their friends, all their family, they, they, they will say things like, ah, it's all good. I believe in God. Okay, I'm glad, cautiously. But James tells us that even the demons believe there is only one God. So they already know more than I believe in God. They, they, they believe there is only one God, but it doesn't make them right with God. Right? And then people say, hey, uh, uh, if there is a heaven, I think I'll be okay because I'm a pretty good person. I'm better than average. Oh, I'm glad you are a good person. I wish more people were good people. <laughs> uh, but being good doesn't make you right with God. Uh, then you see the tragedies that happen and Facebook responses, social media responses. What do you read? Thoughts and prayers being sent. Where is our culture sending them? Right? Finally, people consider themselves spiritual. A lot of them would say, well, Jesus, that's all great that you believe in Jesus and he is one way to heaven. I mean, these are some of the the theological understandings that a secular culture will hold. These are the things you will hear and read. You're going through the book of Colossians, and Brian said, no, you have to preach this. So then I had to sit down and write an entire sermon from scratch. Thank you. Uh, I'll get you back on that, by the way. That, that little cart that I handed in with the offering there, I put on it that I want to visit. <laughs> and when you come you have to preach so there <laughs> but Colossians the passage we are today it, it speaks into the theological problems that were part of the scene in Colossae so many years ago and though we don't know exactly what the false teaching was they were dealing with what we do know is that what Paul's answer is what his insights are is that they perfectly apply to our world where people have the secular worldview with a little sprinkling of some type of spirituality. And in these few verses we're going to look at today, what we see was exactly like that banner. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is not optional. It is all about Jesus. So here we go. Verse 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. It is all about Jesus. But you already knew that. <laughs> 
because you're Chalmers and Brian has done a good job these last years to teach. It is all about Jesus. Jesus did not come into existence at that first Christmas. That's not all of a sudden, oh, now there is a Jesus. He always existed. You know that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. All that, John 1, right? You know this. Um, but our world doesn't know this. You don't even think about that. But with our single parents, our single moms who are sitting together in this class with their leaders before Christmas several years ago, the leaders, and at this time, none of them were going to church yet. Okay, so the Christmas story, everybody excited about Christmas? Well, they're all excited about Christmas. So what do you, what do you know about the Christian story of Christmas? So why don't you, as participants, try to put the story together? Folks, I'm not making this up. These moms had Jesus in a wicker basket floating down a river. They had no idea. They couldn't even come up with a story how the nativity happened, let alone that he always existed and that he, in him everything was created and that for him everything was created. All things invisible, visible, spiritual, physical. And that by the end, when it was all created, it was very good. Our world doesn't know that. They may believe in a God, but their picture of God doesn't look anything like who Jesus really is. They have no idea who this God is. And so when they start sending prayers and thoughts and vibes, I'm concerned. Jesus, to our culture, is just some thing they talk about in church has very, very literal relevance. Our world does not know that in Christ all things are sustained. I mean, don't you ever wonder about that? It's just absolutely miraculous that, that, that this world is even still functioning. I mean, with now 7 billion people on planet Earth with fingers on atomic buttons and all that, that we haven't totally self-destroyed, that with all the pollution that has gone on, that somehow this world continues to regenerate in one way or another and adapt. Isn't that absolutely mind-blowing? It's because Jesus is sustaining his creation. You know that. Our world doesn't. Furthermore, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to him all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Oh, wow. Jesus is Lord of creation, but apparently there is more. Jesus is Lord of salvation. I mean, this, it's a great statement about the good news of Jesus Christ. I, 
maybe it's English as a second language, I don't know. I wish Paul would have started this section with verses 21 because it lays out the problem we're dealing with. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That was the issue. Once we were lost, now we are found. <laughs> Jesus is Lord of salvation. So I asked Brian if I could do a magic trick in church. I need two teenage volunteers, one guy and one girl. Is that possible? Are, are we here? Some volunteers. This is going to be wonderful. <laughs> Nobody should get hurt today. <laughs> so if you want to go stand on that side, I just brought this rope. We'll see if we can take this apart without having to stole And So this is going to be... Uh, representative of the connection between God and man at the very beginning when everything was very good. So if you can just go apart a little bit so it's nice and snug. And uh, so I don't know if this is inappropriate, but you're the guy, so you're like man, right? <laughs> I guess that would make you like a representation of God, right? So there's this <laughs> perfect connection between them. Perfect connection. Think of it as a garden hose. There's just the communication is flowing back and forth. Think about the old landlines. I mean, communication flowing back and forth. There was nothing not to like. Everything was very, very good. But we know what happened in Genesis chapter 3, correct? Man sinned. So I'm just going to take this, and if you just want to stay here for a little bit, and I'll take that side, right? And then, uh, so here we go. Mankind sinned. The relationship with God has been broken, and now we have a problem, and mankind is like, but this is actually not a good scene. We've got to fix this. So how are we going to fix this? Well, mankind always tries to do this through religion, right? And religion is all about being good. So I'm going to be good, and I'm not going to swear anymore, and I'm going to be uh, giving, and I'm going to care much about these kind of people, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then th that, that will fix it, because look at this. The whole relationship is going to be fixed, nice and snug. Look at that. Perfectly fixed. <laughs> if this was a garden hose, is this going to work? Absolutely not. If this is a landline, is it going to work? Absolutely not. It's just not going to work. For there's nothing that mankind can do to fix this relationship between God and man that has been broken. But God had a plan of salvation. The Lord of salvation, Jesus. So he sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the sins of this world, nice and snug. Let's have a look here. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, let's see if we can fix this. And it's all fixed. You can't fix it. But he can. He's the Lord of salvation. You can tie all the knots in that relationship. It's not going to happen. He is the Lord of salvation. Now, you know that. You're here at Chalmers. But our community doesn't know that. They just look at Jesus as this whatever. Something Christmas. Right? Thank you for a good job being a man. <laughs> he is the Lord of salvation. Finally, to finish this passage out, there's a message 
that our communities don't know, but I often think our church doesn't know either. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. There's a call to perseverance. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. If you continue, if you persevere. Oh, how often do do I go to a funeral and is so-and-so really truly in a better place? Well, I think when he was six, he prayed a prayer. and, And after that, there was no fruit. Now, does that mean the person wasn't saved? I don't know, but passages like this, when we're talking about assurance, well, the assurance is for, the assurance is there for those who persevere. I'm not trying to start some big theological deal that Brian is going to have to fix up this week between Arminians and Calvinists and all that. Not talking about that. What I'm talking is about the assurance. I'm talking about the call that we find in this passage. If you persevere, if, it's like a conditional statement for sure when it comes to that blessed assurance. If you continue on, if you continue to run the race and stay the course, I mean, you finish well. And then Paul says, if you continue in your faith, establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I Paul have become a servant. Paul had become a servant to that gospel, the gospel that Jesus is Lord of creation, that he is Lord of salvation, and that quite frankly, church, he's better be our Lord in us persevering and continuing to follow him in this life. Jesus is not optional world. (laughs) Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And your gospel that you take into your community better include these three ideas because those are the ideas that Paul puts forward in his holy word right now. He's Lord of salvation. He's Lord of creation. And he needs to be followed. Why? Because our world doesn't know any of this. They're so far removed from church, from theology, from Christianity. So allow me to just close with these two things. Be sure that you personally have embraced this gospel of Jesus Christ and are persevering in them. And secondly, be sure to embrace the call to share this gospel in word and deed with your community. It'll be messy. But you're good with messy. (laughs) You're choosing to do messy. Wonderful. Expect messy. Embrace messy. Persevere in the messy. People are messy. Those who have lived without Jesus tend to be even more messy. And so when they come in, embrace them with their mess. Learn to love it. It took me a while.
Okay, I wasn't planning on telling you this. But this is an honest-to-goodness story, and it shows you how, how hard this can be. Um, so we, we've got a whole group in our church, probably 10 15%, that have major challenges, physical challenges, mental health challenges, developmental challenges, and they love church because they got nothing else to do all week. And so they are at church when I show up. And I show up an hour before church starts. <laughs> And when I show up, there would be like six or eight of them standing there. And my wife, Carolyn, she calls them my fan club. <laughs> and when I show up, they all want my attention. They're just longing for that moment with their pastor. And honestly, for a while, I tried my best to put a good face on, but I was not loving them. Because they were a distraction to me doing what I was supposed to be doing. I know it sounds really pathetic, because it is. I'm there to love people. So uh, I came to resent them because they took me off my mission in some ways. And so I began to work that through, and I, and I thought, i got to deal with this. i got to learn to love these people just the way they are. i got to learn to embrace this mess. <laughs> and so I began to pray between home and church, but I only live 1,100 meters away from the church, <laughs> and I lived too close. It wasn't working. <laughs> And I was starting to really be troubled by this. And then we had a men's meeting, and we were doing one-on-one discipleship. And so my friend and I, we were, model, we were going to model this to our people, to the, the, the guys. And uh, so in front of the whole group, I worked this issue through, totally vulnerable. And we prayed, and we memorized scripture. I learned to embrace that mess. And uh, Chalmers... I love how you are doing your absolute best to embrace your community. I love how you're doing messy church. I love how you're going to do a barbecue for your community. Don't shy away from the mess because it's in the mess that God does incredible things. Father, would you bless Chalmers Community Church with the ability to, to just fully embrace that beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ that you, Lord Jesus, are Lord of creation. All that's been created, visible, invisible, spiritual, physical, all of it, Lord. May they fully embrace that you and you alone are the Lord of salvation. May their entire trust be in you. Father, may they follow you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. May they persevere in you. Lord, even when life gets messy... And things don't go the way they used to go. And church doesn't look like the way church used to look like. And there's things happening that we might not even really enjoy and like. But Lord, it's all about you for you are Lord of creation and salvation. And we just want to persevere in what you are all about. So Father, bless Chalmers to that end. Make them an ever-shining bright light in this, in this community. Lord, grant them success. Grow them, Father, beyond their wildest imagination. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.